0: super talk mississippi media production
1: hello ladies and gentlemen this is jamie Creel with shelter insurance come see how we have built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our switch and save located in ridgeland and florida mississippi give us a call 601-992-6000 i'm steve azar and i'm on the other side of the microphone In a Mississippi minute. That's right. Hey, hey everybody, I'm Steve Azar coming to you from the Keep, Mississippi beautiful studios. Something I gotta do. Love, love entertaining pals of mine. Today's guest is one of the best ever morning jocks to ever hit country radio airwaves. So let's bring him on my hotline, my man Moby from Moby in the Morning. What's up, Mo? Wow,
2: son of a gun! Would you do all that again? That was beautiful. That? I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes. I want to play that for some relatives.
1: I'll play. <laughs> hey, How you doing, Steve Azar? I'm good, buddy. Good morning. Are you in? Uh, are you in Hotlanta as we speak?
2: Well, I'm in suburban Hotlanta. A lovely. It's called Roswell, but there's no aliens here. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I played Roswell, by the way. Uh, In
2: New Mexico, out, yeah. out near Area 51, did anybody with green eyes come?
1: Yeah, Well, we, we came. We probably had. We were a little bit of Martians looking compared to some of the country acts <laughs> that were playing. Oh, man.
2: So, how you been, buddy? I answer the phone. Every time I see you on caller, I, do, I say, is this the dashing debonair Delta hunk Steve Azar? And <laughs> he just sits there and laughs. He, he won't admit how cute he is, but all the girls know it.
1: <laughs> you crazy. Hey, Moby, I want to ask you how you got your name.
2: Really? That's a story that goes back to when I was 12 years old. That's been almost 15 years ago. Think about it.
1: All right, let me hear Uh, about it. i got to know. I've never (laughs) asked you. No.
2: I was 12 years old and a bunch of uh, uh, lifeguards at the State Park in Crossville, Tennessee my hometown. Uh, they, these kids, they were college students and in the early 20s and the tourists would come by and they'd be flirting with the tourist daughters and I'd be raking the beach and going to the snack bar for them and everything and these college boys named me Moby because <laughs> I was like, like Moby Dick the Whale, you know, and kids my age came to the State Park and they heard, heard the School kids calling me Moby, so they started calling me Moby. When school started back that year, I was Moby to everybody. In my high school annual, it says Moby Carney by my senior portrait. And my mother preferred to be called Mama Moby, and her mother wanted to be called Mama Moby's mama. (laughs)
0: There
1: you go. Wow. That's crazy.
2: That's pretty much that story. I've been Moby forever. And people say, oh, you want to be called James? I said, no, please. I've been Moby to everybody. People call me and say, is James there? I say, excuse me, do I owe you money? Because the only body that ever calls me James or Mr. Carney is somebody I owe money to.
1: You know, it's funny as an artist and as a friend of yours for many years, I never knew your real name until now. James Carney. James Carney. Yeah. I'm.
2: am assuming that Azar is your real name. Is that right?
1: You know, my parents. Yes, and my parents wanted me to change it. You know, they were big fans of Danny Thomas, and uh, and they wanted me to change it to to Steve Thomas. And I said, man, I think Azar. I'm not changing my name. I love the name Azar. There's not going to be another Azar. And Dad Absolutely. goes, Dad goes. I don't know if that's country sounding. And I said, well, it will be. <laughs>
2: That's yeah. it. Well, you know, Doug Stone. His real name is Doug Brooks. Did you know that? And Ralph, right when Doug was first hitting, uh, Garth was just was just coming on big time. And Doug said, "Well, we don't need two Brooks in the country industry, do we?" So he changed his name to Doug Stone. Did you know that I story? Did,
1: I did not know it. Uh, that's crazy. Wow. Oh, I wonder go. if they had a you standoff. You know what?
2: I got the name that my mom and daddy gave me, and, but I picked up a nickname when I was 12. And you know, then by the time my mom and daddy both passed away, they were calling me Moby more than they were calling me. My middle name is Smith, James Smith Carney. So before I was Moby, I was Smitty. <laughs> <laughs> That's a story I don't tell much. Uh,
1: look, I, I wonder if Garth and, and Doug had a standoff for the name. Like, you know.
2: Uh, no, no, no. Garth was already a pretty big name when Doug came around with Better Off in a Pine Box.
1: I love, I love, my, my buddy Victoria Shaw wrote uh, Was It Too Busy Being in Love? Uh, oh God! What a
2: great song! Yeah, yeah. I love Doug song. I told him I said, one time I thought he had the prettiest voice in country music, and then Vince Gill came to the forefront. I yeah. said, Doug, I still like you, but dang.
1: <laughs> yeah, Vince is angelic. You know, uh, I recently yeah. uh, interviewed Amy Grant, and she was she she made this joke about Vince wants to has to lose weight for a photo shoot in in like four, <laughs> four days, and she goes, "What?" He goes, "I got to lose forty pounds," and she goes, "What are you going to do?" And what what are you going to what part of your body are you going to lose? You know, like cut off or whatever. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) she's
2: so funny Vince is a a really good guy just a sweetheart you know I spent so many years in rock and roll radio Steve and and the main difference I noticed when I went from rock and roll to country when I left Texas and being rock and roll there and went to Georgia into country music the main difference I noticed was how much sweeter and how much nicer and how much more real country artists were than than rock artists Mm -hmm. by and
1: large that's true Right. right. So so take me back a little bit then. You you started in rock radio? I mean, when did it all start? When did you develop this passion and know that this was going to be all, you know, decades of your living?
2: Well, I made my, I made up my mind real early in life. That I didn't want to work for a living. <laughs> and and, and uh, there was a radio station in my hometown of Crossville, WCSV, and the guy that owned it's name was Matt Johnson. He used high school kids to do his part-time work. <coughs> Excuse me. He used high school kids to do his part-time work, and uh, the high school kid he was using made the mistake of partying at the radio station during off hours, and Mac caught him there. So he fired him and called my daddy and said, Jim, you got a boy up to high school, don't you? And daddy said, yeah, what'd he do? He said, well, nothing. You think you'd like to work at the radio station for me? <laughs> and daddy says, son, you want to go work for Mac Johnson over at the radio? I said, on the air, on the radio? He goes, on the radio, Max? Yeah, oh, yeah, on the radio, yeah! <laughs> Oh God, yeah. Daddy, I'd love to. How much do I have to pay him to go there? <laughs> My first radio job was minimum wage and at that point, Steve, it was a dollar and sixty cents an hour. And I felt like good gosh, I felt like I was robbing him. I loved it. <laughs> but I was playing gospel music on Sunday mornings, then to WAEW in Crossville, that I went went to college for a little while at Belmont College, before yeah. it was Belmont University. Right. Called it Jesus Text Baptist Division back then. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but uh, then back to WAEW then to Nashville I went to Nashville to work for WKDAFM which was a rock station. There was a big band station mixed in there for a while. But in rock and roll, and you, you know enough about ratings to understand how big this is, but in Nashville, Tennessee, doing the 7 to Midnight Shift, I had a 50-share. Wow. The radios, that were, the radios that were on in Nashville, half of them were tuned to the Moby show. Right. That was great.
1: Well, you're in Music City, right? So you're, you're getting heard. And, and so this, oh, yeah. was, this was the KDF that flipped to country?
2: He went to country, and Carl P. Mayfield, that was the morning guy, he went to country, and I went to country. About a month separated it, that, that uh, the, those the changes, but Carl P. and me both went to country music around wow. about the same time.
1: Wow. Okay, okay, so when you flip like that as a, as a DJ, right, and your voice is heard mm-hmm. in the morning, does anything change when the, when the format changes for you?
2: You know, people ask me which I prefer, rock and roll or country, and at that point, being on the radio, it really didn't matter to me. What mattered to me is what happens between the records. The records themselves, you don't get to choose those. The program directors choose what the songs are. You know that. You know nothing right. about the radio business to understand that the program directors are the ones that picked the Steve Azar record. Here, right here, you're going to play I Don't Have to Be Me Monday. Okay, who's right. that? Azar? Never heard of him. Okay, boom. And... Right. It don't matter what the record is to a disc jockey. What happens is how tasty you make that piece of pie that fits right in between those ah. records. And, and it, you know what 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 the songs are is kind of irrelevant, really. And that's terrible to say, but it's true. It's more important that you're entertaining between the songs. Okay, Does that let, make
1: sense. Let's, it makes it makes so much sense that that it brings up this topic. So when i was in detroit i was with my buddy dr don you probably know dr don and he had spent his mornings just like you and you were still rolling in atlanta uh, all the time and i remember him being on a clock of how much he could actually say well it was okay he seemed like he had lost his uh ability to just roll And now he was in a form. And I know you guys have a time clock on radio and all that, but it seemed like y'all had more freedom to entertain between those songs to make some changes, to do what you want. And it seemed like everything changed to uh, more military style. You know what I'm saying? Did you go through that? More, no, you know what, I think if
2: you're successful, uh, and the and success began, I was so blessed to have success early on in, in Nashville at KDF, which was a rock station in, it's been country now for, for a long time, right, but right. I, I had a good deal of success at KDF, and then when I went to Houston, Texas, oh my gosh, Steve, yeah, I I was, well, uh, how do you say it? You know, I, I really did well in Houston in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. And, buddy, I was Moby in the morning, and people would line up for 200 yards to to, to get into a Moby happy hour. Yeah. And we, yeah. we had a ball. And at that juncture, as, as important as, as, as successful as it was, uh, the program directors and the bosses weren't saying much to me because it, it, they always feel like that's an eggshell kind of thing. Right. Don't break any eggshells. He's doing real well. Leave him alone. <laughs> and I didn't have a lot of, of direction at that time. Uh, they, they, they said, do what you want to do. Just, just don't get us sued.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, all right, we're going to take a break. I'm with my man Moby from Moby in the Morning, a.k.a., actually... His real name, James Smith Carney. I finally found that <laughs> out. We found that out together. Can talk to you're notes, aren't you? you dang right. No, I got it in my brain. It may go foggy in a little bit and may go sideways, but for right now, I'm on it with my man, Moby. You're on In a Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar on Super Talk. We're in the Keep Mississippi, beautiful studios.
0: Oh, yeah. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Hey, coming to you from uh, Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios, I'm Steve Azar, you're in the Mississippi Minute. I'm back with my man Moby. Moby in the morning. Just t- Take me through your routine during the week. I mean, did you ever get to go to bed late?
2: I, I never one time. I did morning radio, good gosh, how long? I started doing it in 1982, and I never stayed up all night and went in and did the show the next morning. Now, there were times I'd go to bed when I had an hour to sleep and get up and go. But it's just something you got to make up your mind you're going to do, and there's no option but to do it. And when you get up and get in there, when that microphone opens, there's hopefully... Several people out on the other end of it listening to you, and you don't want to disappoint that crowd. There were times when I'd been partying my tail off the night before, and then I'd be in there in the morning. And there is no option. You have to do it. I set my alarm. You know what I hate, Steve? I hate snooze buttons. Set the alarm (laughs) clock for when you got to get up. When the alarm goes off, get up. Yeah. And, and and go brush your teeth, get your clean underwear on, maybe even put on a clean shirt and go to work. Why and would you do, do that your job.
1: Why would you do that? Why would you put anything on clean? What are you talking about?
2: <laughs> hey. Because you never know when the fan groups gonna show up out in the parking <laughs> lot won't we'll take the picture. <laughs>
1: Hey, you know, my, I wish I got to tell my son this because I hear his going off in the house. He goes, I mean, it could be 10 times trying to wake up this snooze button, but he's been in college and uh, he's he's been studying hard. He's studying for the MCAT right now, so he's on it, but I'm I'm not going to bother him. But dang, if I don't hear that snooze button a lot, boom. Boom. I, Boom. I
2: I I don't get it. I don't. My wife does that even now. My third and favorite wife. Yet she <laughs> she does it too. You know she, that alarm will go off at fifteen minutes before mine does because these these days that's what I'm doing. I get up at at six o'clock in the morning Eastern time, and she said her she said her clock for five forty five. And I'll I'll be downstairs working, before she'll come down to see me, you just she just lay there. Bless her heart, she's I, sweet. I love her.
1: Three, okay, you said your third and final and most beautiful wife, uh, being married. No, I didn't say most beautiful, but she is. You, <laughs> haven't met, you haven't met her yet. I thought she's heard a lot about you though. She's uh, I love it. Okay, so let's talk about. that. Let's get personal for one second, and and we'll get unpersonal. But for now, being in our business, period, right? uh diff- difficult for you i mean you know i'm 30 years in now and and it was i I was blessed i got lucky that i found the one okay so tell me for you uh you know staying with one woman i mean i got a lot of friends you know in the business that that have been that have matched you with you and your situation what happened
2: in Nashville, Tennessee, I met lean, mean, serene, obscene Bobby Jean. And I figured, you know, heck, I ought to marry this one. Uh, this girl's a tiger. <laughs> All right. And, but that's not a basis for relationship, and it took a couple of years to figure that out. So Lean, Mean, Serene, have seen Bobby Jean, I had to leave her and go to Texas. So I said, good job, Bob, uh, Bobby Jean. Listen, I got good news and bad news. The good news is I got a job working for ABC in Houston, Texas. And the bad news is I'm leaving you right here. You ain't going. <laughs> <laughs> so I was in Houston for a couple of years, and then I met this lady that would ultimately become the, the mother of my son, and uh, Kelly Kelly Bell. But Kelly Bell, old oh Kelly Bell, I'm the one that made her belly swell. At least that's one of my friends I tell. I love my dear old Kelly Bell. and And that lasted 10 years. That's and and good, uh, then good. I get the feeling that she changed. It wasn't me. It wasn't my fault. It was all her. Do you believe that?
1: Yeah, okay, yeah, no, I don't. I don't at all. But that's okay, all right. okay. Well,
2: uh, but but we uh, we we separated. That was number two. And you know what? We're still friends. It, uh, we had to go through a period of time until we could be friends. But now we are friends. And I met Mary Beth. God, Mary Beth. She is such a great woman. Married a Yankee girl. She's originally from New Jersey, which if somebody told me that up front that you're going to marry a woman from New Jersey, I said, you've been drinking. No, no, no. I won't. <laughs> but she's wonderful, and and I love her, and she loves me, and we adopted little Gracie, and life is just really good here at the Moby household. And Mo- Moby Manor is a happy place to be. You ought to come visit.
1: I love it. Well, I will. I will. I will sometime, and we're going to write that song no, we you're going to write a song together, right? It's been like, what 12, 15 years in the making?
2: Yeah, oh, it's coming. guy, I'm sitting here today looking at looking at songs. I say, no, nah, that was finished. Nah, no, nah, that's finished. because nah, I knew I was going to be talking to you. <laughs>
1: I can't believe you're not going to let me in on it. Just put my name on it. It'll be all right. Uh,
2: yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. That will be. Are you working on a good one right now?
1: You will share with me. You know, I've been have been working on a lot. You know, moving back home was has been so inspirational. Just seeing cities, uh, uh, town names on their signs. I mean, I got to tell you it just sparks all sorts of emotion in me i i would just wish i could explain the feeling i have uh, and the how inspired i am every day just being in the delta being back home i just it's crazy second time around okay. you know coming back full circle it looks there's some similar familiar feelings but the ones that matter inspiration wise are on another level that makes sense
2: it does. You know, the thing of it, is you were raised around a whole bunch of really good hit songs. You just didn't know they were that until you got to be older and could really look back on your life and see what you'd been through.
1: Well, yeah, country radio is all. I mean, look, look, great songs, great songwriters. You know, I even think Springsteen's a country songwriter. I mean, it just Bob Seger. <laughs> I spent all this time with Bob. The, the songs make sense. They relate to. How yeah, about Bob
2: a, Seger? Is he a good writer. I know you toured with him for a while.
1: Great writer. I, I sat there after playing every night with my hands on my on my you know two palms up up on my jaw, just sitting there on the stage when he'd sing like, <laughs> when he when he'd do someday, lady, you'll accompany me. You'll accompany me. Oh yeah, lady, you'll, you'll, accompany you'll
2: accompany me. Come. Someday, lady. Good one. How about? How, about, how about this? The, 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 this I'm, I'm working on this. A flag don't mean you're faithful, and a cross don't mean you're saved. Your hand upon your heart don't pay them back for what they gave. Ooh. They meant for you to fill with pride to see old glory fly, and not just keep it hidden till the Fourth of July. Wow! Ooh, I've got about a month to finish
1: that. Wow, that's beautiful. Well, that's poetry. That's right. Yeah. right. Well, thank you. That's beautiful. You can
2: call me Shakes Moby. Yeah. Not Shakespeare Moby. Never mind.
1: I love it. I love how you got your name. We're talking to Moby, my man from Moby in the Morning, Uh spent his entire life entertaining so many of us uh, that were moving a little lethargically in the morning. All of a sudden, we're up, right? Uh, you, you, know, uh, well, you know, you
2: got to get people awake. Now, I don't no. want a bunch, bunch, of, a bunch of uh, sleepy people listening. Come on, if you, if you're going to call in and be part of it, be
1: awake. You know, the funny thing is, I've got you uh, a little after the time that you're waking up. So, and you're still rolling. I love that. So, do oh, you, I'm God, are you kidding? I'm about to take my wife to a movie here after a while. Do you roll like this and all of a sudden just pass out? And she and she's at and Mary Beth. You say Mary Beth? Is that what you said? You're yeah, latest, Mary Beth. Greatest? Mary Elizabeth. Mary Elizabeth, she, does she ever start talking to you and all of a sudden you're snoring? Does it happen later? No,
2: no, 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 no. She'll talk to me sometimes and my mom will go places and I'm not really following what she's saying <laughs> and she'll get PO'd about that. I said, but baby, you don't know what I was just thinking about. I got to take a note. Heck, I got to write this down. You do that, you write. And when, when a good thought hits your mind, you got whatever you're doing right then, you got to put that on hold for a minute and take a note about what you were just thinking about because that will go away.
1: Like, I've had dreams before. I've written entire songs and thought I woke up and wrote it down. I woke up the next morning and remembered nothing. (laughs) You know?
2: Right. Oh, I'll never forget that. That's too good. I'll never forget that. It's gone.
1: Oh, yeah. Gone. Gone, gone. Well, couldn't have been that good. All right. Talking to Moby in the morning, my man Moby. Hey, Moby, your mentors along the way. Your greatest mentors. Tell me who your greatest mentors along the way were.
2: (laughs) You know, it's kind of a funny question that you were. I'm glad you asked me that question. Because people that, that... have been successful in what they call major market radio have had high ratings and made a bunch of money in major markets you know that they they had mentors and people that they emulated and they wanted to be like right i I in Crossville, Tennessee, when I was a kid, sitting with papa and nanny in the kitchen we'd get the eggs in papa would go milk the cow and i 'd come in Nanny would have breakfast ready, and we 'd listen on the radio. I remember the radio it was it was a plastic white. Uh, Motorola, and it was sitting on the water heater that had overheated because the the case was kind of warped, and out of that radio was a guy named Jim Hamby, Jim Hamby, and he sat there with his rooster, Omar, which was just a tape of a rooster that he'd play cock a doodle doo, <laughs> and papa and nanny, they talk about jim and his and his rooster, and matter of fact Papa built a cage and took a rooster to Jim one time up at the radio station, gave him this rooster, <laughs> and when I got to be older and doing and doing morning radio be it in rock and roll or in country music i wanted to be thought of like i knew everybody in crossville tennessee thought about jim hamby my mentor the guy that i wanted to emulate and be like was a crossville tennessee disc jockey morning guy named jim hamby he was wonderful
1: wow i love that we're talking to moby moby in the morning all right you're a radio hall of famer You've won ACM awards, Billboard awards. You've got all these awards somewhere stacked up in in one of your in one of your closets, I bet, or some. Are you staring at them? But the bottom line is this: No, now
2: I'm a dang ego wall, Lazar.
1: Where do you put your awards? <laughs> I, I know I'm looking at. A lot. I got more golf trophies than music awards, which bothers me. Like it really bothers me. Yeah,
2: but I don't look good in those pants. I can't. I can't do
1: that. <laughs> I know you've seen me in my pants. All right, wait a minute. So we're the birthplace of American music down in Mississippi. You know the history of this place. So you get to play I DJ do. once again on my show. You You get to play DJ on my show. Would you like to hear... Actually, you get to play program director. Would you like to hear Conway Twitty or Charlie Pride? Conway. That was a quick one from my man, Moby. You're on Super Talk. He's the best
2: friend a song ever had, and I didn't make that up.
1: (laughs) You're so right. We're we're with my man, Moby. I'm tongue-tied. We're going to have a little Conway right here from the Mississippi Beautiful Studio.
0: A cowboy once said a millionaire's dream, and Lord, I love that lady wearing tight fitting jeans. The news doesn't sleep. And neither do we. Fox News Radio. Late breaking. Up to the minute. From around the world. Around the clock. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Rolling and rocking. Keep Mississippi beautiful studio. I'm back with my man Moby. Moby in the morning. Well, bless your heart.
2: Right. I'm really glad you wanted to put me on your Mississippi Minute. It tickles me to death to, to, to be a part of this. But, but I know it means a lot to you to do the Mississippi Minute because you've been on the other side of that microphone so much and listening to idiot disc jockeys <laughs> want to ask you questions. Sometimes they've done their homework. Sometimes they haven't, but you still got to sit there and put up with them. Yeah. And now you get to be on the other side of this, and you're doing a good job at it. You really are.
1: Hey, look, at some point, I would be shocked when I wouldn't ask the same question. No, I like it. I can't believe you hadn't started reversing it on me, which I'm which I'm grateful for. So don't reverse it. You Wait,
2: got... No, no, no. Well, we talked about it, dude. You did some You've done so many things. Uh, waiting on Joe. Oh my God, what a song! Sunshine. Oh, God, I love sunshine. Oh, I
1: appreciate that. You, I you,
2: love you, it, man. I, I I look forward to one day, if God is kind to me, and I believe that He will be, to sit down and write with you. You know, I I, I like writing parody songs. Do you ever do that? Do you ever think? Do, does your mind ever go toward parody lyrics when you're listening to music?
1: Well, most of our songs as songwriters are parodies before they turn into real songs. We do it backwards. <laughs> I mean, you know, you have to yeah. you have to censor sometimes. Sometimes you're in there just messing around, and then you the parody turns into something that's real and honest and wonderful. So. It's backwards for us a lot of times, but yes, I've got some I cannot sing on the airways. Uh, oh, air, yeah, air they waves. get dirty
2: <laughs> real easy. How about that? Garth Brooks did uh, "Much Too Young to Act This Dang Old." Right. Well, I've I, I rewrote uh, "Much Too Old to Act This Dang Young." Uh,
1: let me hear it. Let me hear it. Give, <laughs> me, give, me, huh? give me some lines.
2: I don't have them. For, I can't do a top of mind right now. I tell you what. Before you called this morning, I was looking back through stuff like that. Jerry Reed and me got to be pretty good buddies before God called. Him oh, God, what a nut. But I, I wrote, uh, uh, Randy Travis did uh, uh, Digging Up Bones.
1: Yeah, Paul Overstreet. Okay,
2: currently. well, I wrote and read recorded. Boy, you talk about a pleasure. If you have a country artist cut one of your parody songs, uh, trying stuff on. Yeah, I, I, I found your sequin ball gown and checked the mirror there. I look like Cindy Crawford, but with much more body hair. It's. Funny. Reed <laughs> did it, and, and if you Google that, uh, Jerry Reed trying stuff on, there's a live recording of it that comes up, and the crowd loves
1: it. I love it. Oh, he was just, what a good guy. It became a great actor, right, with Bert, him and Bert Reynolds. You get to know Bert Reynolds?
2: No, no, I never had the pleasure of meeting him, but uh, Reed and me, we got to be buddies. You know, he would call me. I got introduced to Reed by a guy whose name you may not remember, you may not think of, but I can tell you who he was, a guy named Wayne Moss. You ever heard of Wayne Moss?
1: Uh, I don't think I have.
2: Have you heard of a group called Barefoot Jerry? Uh, Charlie, Dan- Charlie Daniels Band South's going to do it again, and all the good people down yeah. in Tennessee are digging Barefoot Jerry and the CDB. Well, Barefoot Jerry was my good buddy uh, Wayne Moss, and Wayne introduced me to Reed, and me and Reed hit it off, and it was a great time. And when when Reed passed away, his grandson called me and he said, "Moby, Papa died last night, but they're not releasing that news for a few days." So he just wanted—I uh, 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 can't remember his wife's name right now, whatever. But his wife wanted me to call and tell you about it, but don't tell don't tell anybody. Okay.
1: Oh okay. wow, wow. Oh,
2: wow. buddy, man, Reed. I love Reed. I see, I see Reed. I'll watch smoking a bandage or something. There's Reed. You nut? He's just a nut.
1: You got me thinking about this now. Back back in the day, you're talking the Jerry Reed days. You're talking uh, Dolly Parton, you, you, Chris Christopherson. Let's let's talk about this. Their ability to become household names, not only in the music business but as actors, and really good actors. Showing, and they were really doing their their thing personality wise. I think Reba's yeah. pulled that off. Uh, George Strait broke wide open to the world when he did. Was it Heartland? What was the movie? Uh, and and uh, so was that
2: eight seconds that he did.
1: Well, eight seconds. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I don't, maybe don't the song—the song, song was "Heartland," I guess. Right? Something. Okay. Anyway, but anyway, the bottom line is, what is it about the past with these entertainers that were able to do it all, more so than I've today?
2: Had the, I've, I've had the, the distinct pleasure of meeting Dolly Parton on several occasions, and uh, a, a few of the times, well, several of the times when I've talked to her, it's been on the telephone on the air. And went through a period of time where within a a month, I'd talked to Dolly like three times, maybe four times. And I told her, I said, said, Dolly, you know what? I've talked to you three or four times here in the last month. People are going to think me and you got something going on. (laughs) Dolly Parton said to me, well, we do, don't we, Moby? Thanksgiving, we do, Dolly. Yeah. yeah, yes, we yeah. do. I love you.
1: Yeah, you can't out, you can't out one her up. There's no way. Oh God, no. She's well. Out- we her do, up. don't we, Moby? I wish
2: I'd have got that recorded. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, that have been your that have been your morning like your your theme song for kicking off every morning. And you'd have won every forty-two. Every time I played the
2: Dolly song, I'd play it. I got her doing yeah, baby, because you know me and yeah, baby. We I'm big on yeah, babies.
1: But oh, uh, I love I you.
2: got a bunch of yeah, babies from her. And She's a great I, lady. I, I, I dearly love her. But you know what? When you meet Dolly in an interview situation like that, she is such a clear headed businesswoman that she will talk to you about what she is there to talk to you about something with Dollywood or her new uh, Backwoods Barbie album that come out. She's going to talk to you about that and you're going to be hard pressed to talk to her about anything else. And I learned that the first time that I met Dolly because, you know, she's from up in East Tennessee. And near where my mother's from, my mama was from Parrotsville, Tennessee, and I wanted to talk to Dolly about Parrotsville. Because I knew Dolly would know it, and if you, you've never heard of Parentsville, Tennessee, right? But Dolly hadn't. I knew she would. She saw you oh, yeah, Parentsville, and boy, she's back into. She is not going to talk about anything else except why she's there. Because she's there to market that stuff and make money with it. Good mm-hmm. for her. Good for her.
1: Yes, yeah, she's a fine
2: and focused businesswoman.
1: Yeah, yeah. Extremely intelligent. Extremely smart. And what a talent! I love her. I love. Oh, I yeah. always Love Dolly. All right. What about like Loretta Lynn? Did you have any stints with her? She's so so sweet to me. <laughs> Along that, the way. I've
2: never met her, but she was my daddy's very favorite country yeah. artist. Yeah. Uh, for, for, for my daddy, it was Dolly Parton. For my mama, it was gentleman Jim Reeves. And, and if either one of them had showed up at the house and said, Marie, let's go. She's, you're Jim Reeves. I'm with you. Let's go. Jim, you, <laughs> our, our daddy. If Loretta showed up at the house to pick up daddy in the tour bus, he'd be gone.
1: All right, let's talk about that. Let's talk about women who had... who there wasn't a lot of air airwaves time. There wasn't a lot of play time as far as material with women artists back in the day. Right. So to, to, to be Dolly and to be Loretta, uh, come along and be, uh, Tanya when she was young and all that. What, you know, I mean, think about the, the drive and the moxie and the toughness that they had to have, especially the way they had to enter the business. You
2: may not even know this, but there was a rule Back in the day, that you weren't allowed, disc jockeys weren't allowed to play two female artists back to back.
0: There you go.
1: It's crazy. Did you know that rule? We did did not, you know that rule existed? I did not know. Horrible. Horrible. They said, oh,
2: that's bad radio. Don't play two female artists back to back. Why? If you play Dolly, don't play Loretta. Why do you think? The crazy program directors, I've never had much respect for them.
1: <laughs> well, What? <laughs> I love it. All right. Okay, so let's talk about that for one second cuz now you got me curious. So you're sitting here saying I'm sitting here wondering why if it's a great song and it's a great voice and and women have historically been the audience that's listening, right? Is country radio always been sort of female driven?
2: To me it's always been yeah. As I was doing a country show, as I was doing a rock show, I never gave gender a second thought. I, yeah. I was there to talk to the cousins and the Moby Radio family. And right. I didn't care if they were men or women. I didn't care if they were young or old. I just wanted them to love me, and I wanted them to let me love them. Right. And what their gender was was irrelevant to me. Does that, does that make sense?
1: No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm 100% right there with you. When I write songs and stuff, I don't think about anything, but everybody. I love everybody. We're talking to my man no, Moby. I, you, you know it's obvious that you do. <laughs> I do. I really do. Moby, let's talk about the awards now. Your first Billboard award, your ACM award. So tell me how it felt when you finally got nominated, or were you nominated first without some victories? Uh, and uh, you're like Meryl Streep? Are you? Are you know what I mean? You finally started taking them home. You know, I mean, <laughs> what was it like? Well.
2: I I won uh this jockey of the year in Houston, Texas a couple times. And that 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 was very neat, but that I'd been nominated for two or three times. But the thing of it is in Houston on my rock shows, Dave, I was nasty. I mean, I, good gosh! It was rock and roll, and I'd say anything on the radio I could get away with and and not get the station fined. And right. and because of that, some people loved it, some people didn't like it that much. But it was dirty, and a lot of people were listening to it. Yeah. When the, I got to MC the Who in the Astrodome one time in front of fifty thousand people, and this was the first time I'd gotten to get up in front of a large crowd and introduce myself. Said, "Good evening, I'm Moby in the morning." And you should have heard them, man. I mean, it was wow, yeah. wow. That's great. And so, so then I got nominated for for a disc jockey of year in Houston. I didn't get it three times, and then I finally did. And, uh, it's a, it was wonderful to get it. But when I got the ACM Award Academy of Country Music, that was back when they still used to broadcast, uh, the, 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 the national radio. TV. Right, right. So I got to be on national television. My mama could see it when me getting this award, I was holding it up and, and on national television, CBS TV. I don't remember what year it was. But I was on national TV winning that award and that not none outweigh that in my mind yeah. because my mama got to
1: see it. With my man Moby, you're in Keaton, Mississippi, beautiful studio. With humble beginnings all the way back to 1943, Guarantee Bank has grown from offering the basic banking services and products to serving customers with a comprehensive, complete line of expertise and products only expected at much larger institutions we are proud to be your local big time bank so when you're looking for a bank you can truly depend on and trust and like me so many years ago trying to find my way around let guarantee bank with its 17 convenient locations help you on your journey and become a wonderful addition to your family like they have mine for over 30 years guarantee bank member fdic Check, check, one. Where's all my
0: bio? In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Well, all right, all right, Steve Azar, coming to the Mississippi Beautiful Studios. I'm back with my man Moby. Moby in the morning. All right, besides me, who you love the most? uh, I love that. All right, besides me, but who is is some of the uh, artists that you really were taken by that really you really admired and became friends with along the way besides Jerry and myself
2: Randy Travis, God, what a great guy. You know, what? when when I first met Randy Travis, we, we we hit it off big time. I was on the phone with him, and I was supposed to have like 15 minutes with him. We talked about an hour and a half. And he said, Moby, he said, Lib, just come to the bus here. We've got to go to <laughs> supper. I said, well, I've really enjoyed talking to him for an hour and a half later. <laughs> but uh, when Randy was coming uh, into the Atlanta area, going to do a show, uh, Lib called me that morning their, their fiddle player Steve their fiddle player had left their fiddle in Nashville <laughs> told me the story this fiddle player didn't have his axe with him Bobby can you find us a fiddle I said you know I think I probably can
1: <laughs> I've nev- never heard of such a mu- one of our musicians leaving anything I mean they're glued to their hip you know
2: all I know, night. but this son of a gun has, and so this. I got I called around. Did I know a lot of musicians in Atlanta? And I called around. I found. I found him. I found Two acoustic fiddles and an electric fiddle. We took them all to him. Say, hey, what? Well, what do these do?
1: You? <laughs> yeah, I love it. Speaking of fiddle, and you'll love this. Uh, I don't love it. I mean, but it's uh, it's the truth. I was uh, working on a second record or third record, whatever it was, and I was having throat issues, and I was about to have surgery. I, it was just inevitable. And I uh, had done some shows uh, with Charlie Daniels, and we, you know, we had hit it off, and we had scheduled a writing appointment the day of my surgery was supposed to be the day that Charlie and I wrote together. I was heading out to his place. Well, I had to call him. I had to call him. Literally, we decided on the surgery uh, 24 hours later, so I had to cancel within, a 20, yeah, twenty in 24 hours I was having surgery, it just had to happen, finally after years, and my cancellation appointment was Charlie, and I hate that. I hated it that I never yeah. went back to him. He's a sweet guy, good guy, uh, very yeah. vocal, very vocal about his patriotism and, and all that. Man, oh, yeah. he's a wild tweeter, man, and I love it. You know, he's just he's uh you can't get mad at Charlie no matter what. You know, I'm not getting mad. I I believe in a lot of the things he believes in, but besides the point, uh, he gets worked up, and uh, I don't think you can possibly get mad at Charlie Daniels. It's impossible. No,
2: Charlie's been a friend of mine since the '70s. And then yeah. at that point you were you were you were still messing up Pampers in the seventies.
1: I probably was, probably was. But but,
2: but Char, Charlie, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> he, what was his album? He had an album called Midnight Wind, and uh, he brought that to the radio station in Nashville, and uh, he and I were going to sit and record the debut of the Midnight Wind album. So it was me, Charlie Daniels, and a bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> Oh, buddy, and we, we we sat there in that studio, and 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 he talked about every song. We'd stop after every song, and then we'd play the record. It, it was a beautiful moment. Charlie and me have been friends a long time and just the other day, Mr. Azar, I we were we just moved here a couple of years ago and I was unpacking albums and right in the middle of it, here's that midnight Wind. You remember when the the promo copies would just have plain white covers. Ever what the cover of the album was? It's just plain white. Right. And I found the Charlie Daniels Midnight Wind album. It says, Moby, thank you for debuting my record,
1: Charlie Daniels. Wow, Final that's days. cool. That's cool. Uh, I love you, pal. You're a good man, and, you, and you've and you always been good to me. And uh, thanks for uh, taking a, taking the ride with me today.
2: Well, you're more than welcome. And and anytime I want you to come to my house. My wife's not a very good cook, but she'll make a supper. <laughs> uh, my wife, number two, was the good cook. And Mary Beth will be the first one to admit that. She's good friends now. And every now and then my second wife will cook supper for us. But I want you to come to the house, and I want to write a song with you. I really want to do yeah, on my bucket list that that's there i'm
1: on your bucket list unbelievable you know what we're gonna do we're gonna write a song and i'm gonna take you down to my buddy's uh jason issues place georgia blue because it's a great restaurant chain here it's mississippi made believe it or not named after his daughter and uh and it's incredible and it's the kind of food you'd love so we're gonna write a song and then we're gonna jump on a plane and come down to to, to madison mississippi and and have a great meal how about that
2: I would love that do you know what that bucket list i ain't gonna check it off until it happens but it, got it, it. just got highlighted that's going to get checked <laughs> off ain't it?
1: i love you pal you have a great day
2: Steve azar, all the best to you. you you
1: tell your entire
2: family that i love them up to, from georgia, georgia love going from the moby manor to down to the azar at azar house and uh, to the dashing and debonair delta hunk steve azar <laughs> it's been a pleasure for me to oh, be. have mercy
1: we've been with my man moby from moby in the morning we'll see you later I'm Steve Azar, in a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. With humble beginnings all the way back to 1943, Guarantee Bank has grown from offering the basic banking services and products to serving customers with a comprehensive, complete line of expertise and products. Only expected at much larger institutions. We are proud to be your local big time bank. So when you're looking for a bank you can truly depend on and trust, and like me so many years ago trying to find my way around, let Guarantee Bank with its 17 convenient locations help you on your journey and become a wonderful addition to your family like they have mine for over 30 years. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC.
0: If Alexa's part of your life, you've got one more way to access Super Talk. Super Talk Mississippi is now available on Amazon Alexa devices. Once enabled, just say, Alexa, play Super Talk Mississippi at any time and start listening. It's that easy. Just one more way to stay informed and connected with your state. Learn more at supertalk.fm slash Alexa. Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Now available on Amazon Alexa devices.